Amen, amen. You can have a seat, and good morning, and welcome to Harvest, and it's a joy to be together, amen, and worshiping. We're going to continue our series in the Gospel of John, so we're going to be in John chapter 1 today, so if you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and open up to John chapter 1, and if you don't have a copy of God's Word, we would love to offer you one. There's one available for you in the back, thank you, bro, um, and there you can turn to it online, in your Bible, whatever, um, whatever Bible you have this morning, as we continue our Come and See series. And praise God for how he is working at Harvest. Amen. Wasn't it awesome to celebrate eight years of God's faithfulness last week? Amen. Multiple baptisms and God is, is working in a significant, significant way. And he's just getting started. And if you, whether you, this is your first time here, or whether you've been here many, many times, your family here, and we're thankful for you here. And, and um, if you, you're just sort of coming in now, we have a step one after the service. And if you're newer to Harvest, we'd love to get to know you and just have a 15 minute time to connect with you. And so we would love for you to stay for a little bit and grab a cookie and just have a brief conversation about what all God is doing here and how you can have a home here and, and a family here. Um, but about six or seven years ago, um, Ann and I, my wife Ann and I, were on a, a, a trip uh, to Phoenix, Arizona with some friends and other pastors and, and their wives. And early one morning, uh, sort of spontaneously, some other, uh, some friends of mine and said, hey, let's go climb this mountain called Camelback, um, which is a great hike. It's a little bit of an intense, you sort of go vertical. It's, it's fun. Um, but we said, we want to see the sunset. And so we decided to get up at 3.30 or 4 in the morning, which is crazy, okay, in a way, um, and then go, go hike. And we, so we drove the 10 minutes to the base of the mountain, we began our ascent. But here's the reality. We're, we're full of excitedness, but not full of a lot of thoroughness, because none of us really, there was one guy with a flashlight, there was a group of seven or eight of us, and the rest of us are like, let's leave our phones in the car so they don't break or whatnot. So we have one or two guys had a phone, but we're about, a, you know, five minutes in the hike, we're like, it's really dark out here. Um, and I don't know, really, my, we're beginning to slip a little bit on the rocks and our, each step is a little treacherous or whatnot, but we're like stubbornly willpower, right? We're going to force our way through this. We're going to do it. And so about an hour and a half into it, we finally get to the, to the, to the summit of, Mount Cam, of Camelback Mountain and the sun breaks through just in time. And we get to see the sunset and it's beautiful. You'll see the picture on the screen behind me and you'll see it, it breaks through and all of a sudden you begin to see the whole valley that Phoenix is in clearly. This is a group of friends that I was with, uh, some fellow pastors. Um, and so it was awesome. And then on the way back down, you know, it, it was a lot easier because why we could see. Um, and we could see in each step, we could see where we wanted to step and where we didn't want to step. We could, we could see where the footing would be secure and we could see where the footing would be not so secure. We might slip or fall or potentially even, even worse. And all the while, the, the, the warmth of the sun just filled us and gave us energy to go and the light of the sun directed our paths and our steps. And we got to enjoy the glory of the Lord, right? Praise God for his creation. It really displays his handiwork, as the psalm says, the psalmist says, and we love that. And so today here, in the reality of, of, of what we're going to see in the gospel of John, John's going to write in his prologue in the first 18 verses, which is what we're going to look at, that just like the earthly sun breaks through the darkness of the, and creates a dawn every morning, creating light to help it to illuminate us, to give us warmth and life that we can't live without, right? We can't live without physical life without the breakthrough of the sun, because without the sun, we would all die. Um, and in the same way, John's going to point to the reality that without the breakthrough of the Son, S-O-N, not S-U-N, that is Jesus Christ, we can't have eternal life. We can't live without him. And so we're going to look at the beauty of that today and the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the beauty of Jesus as John sets the table for what is to come throughout his gospel in a very poetic and 
and beautiful way. And there, the reality is, is that when light penetrates darkness, it, it gives us hope. I don't know what darkness you're walking through right now, experiencing, feeling, physically, emotionally, relationally, financially, vocationally, but many of us in this room or watching online are experiencing some level of darkness. And the reality, the beautiful reality is that hope is here today because for you because Jesus is here for you, amen? And so that no matter what you're walking through, we're gonna see the reality today that the light of the gospel, the light of Jesus Christ, will penetrate any amount of darkness. There is literally no amount of darkness that can stop the penetration and the, of, of the light of Jesus Christ. So praise God for that. The offer that John is giving us today is to come and see the hope that is Jesus. Come and see the one that created life, the one that sustains life, and then the one that saves us to give us eternal life. That's the whole heartbeat of the gospel of John and as the set forth in the prologue today. So my question is, do you have hope? And if, if, because the reality is, is hope is something that we talk a lot about, that we all desire, that we all yearn for. And I'm not talking about hope like my team will win the game, or I hope that the stock market does this or that, or I hope I get the job offer, or I hope I get the girl or the guy, or whatever it is. I'm talking about hope being a conviction of things, a confident expectation of things to come based in the reality of who Jesus is. The thing about hope is this, hope is not a supply or demand issue because there is a great demand for hope, right? I yearn for hope. My soul yearns for hope. There's also a great supply of hope because Jesus offers hope. He offers hope exponentially and abundantly without limit and without end. So whether you have hope this morning is not a supply, it's not a demand issue, it's a sourcing issue. What and who or where is your source of hope? Because if it's anything other than Jesus, it's going to be fleeting and it's going to come and go in your, just like your external situations and circumstances change. Oh, the stock market crashed, therefore my hope crashes. Oh, I, I didn't get the job, therefore I lost my hope. Or my team finally won, therefore I finally have hope. Friends, I want you to see this beautiful reality that we're going to see in the big idea right here that's on the screen, that's in the pages of the Gospel of John, and it's in your notes. That Jesus, his coming, his, he reveals the grace of God through which we have daily hope in God. Jesus today, this, this whole prologue is about, the, is about the revelation of who Jesus is. And at his, at his core, the revelation of, the, of, of the Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the greatest example of the grace of God. And it is our endure, enduring source of hope each and every day from God. Hope that endures through failure, hope that endures through hurts and struggles, the comings and goings, no matter who is elected in an office, no matter what the economy says or doesn't say, no matter what your job status, relational status, no matter what your current situation or season, there is hope today because Jesus is here today. And he's here to break through for you today. He's offering that freely to you. Come and see it. The question is, will you choose it? And it is a choice. It's the posture of your heart. It's where your mind is set. It's where your actions are anchored. Hebrews talks about the reality that we have a living hope in Jesus, and I pray that that hope would come alive for you today. He's here. He is alive. I pray that it would come alive for you today, out of the pages of his words, into your heart, 
and into your soul. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for the beautiful reality of your gospel. God, we thank you for how you change everything. God, we thank you for this this gospel that we're going to look at today, the gospel of John, the perspective of, of one who walked with you and wants us to see you the way that he saw you the ones to see you for who you really are, the Savior, the Son of God, Jesus, the living one, the creator, the sustainer, as not just our source of hope, but as our hope, that our hope has a name and it's Jesus Christ. And Father, in this moment, I pray that you would just eliminate the distractions as we all walked in here or tuned in with different things, different thoughts, different feelings, different highs, different lows this week, different struggles, different successes, different failures, but a similar need, the need of a savior, the need of the gospel, the need of the grace of God that is so readily available and apparent for all of us. And I just pray that we would receive it, that we would anchor in it, and we would live out of it. And we would find our rest in it, Jesus, that we would find our rest in the reality of who you are. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Holy Spirit, do what you promised to do. Convict, compel, encourage, exhort through the power of your word. Silence me and may your words flow this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Turn with me, if you would, to the Gospel of John. It's, it's the fourth gospel, the fourth book of the New Testament. We're gonna look at the first 18 verses. So John 1, 1 through 18, as we continue our series today called Come and See. So the words of the gospel of John as he was carried along by the Holy Spirit, verse one, chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of will, or of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory is the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Praise God, amen. Now, as we get going into this, these 18 verses are are incredibly rich theologically, and there's no way in the amount of time that we have today to to define the total depths of this text. So we're going to take a 30,000-foot view of this, and I want to encourage you on your own to dive into this. We spent our entire Christmas series last year on these verses, but they're beautiful, and they're powerful, and they're in conjunction with the heart of the gospel of John. 
that we saw last week as we looked at the theme verse, the purpose verse of the Gospel of John. This is the prologue of the Gospel of John. The first 18 verses of of chapter one here are known as the prologue. Now, what is a prologue? A prologue provides, often provides background context. It sets the tone. It, it sets the theme. It, it sort of might do a little foreshadowing of what is to come, and John is doing just that here. Last week, we looked at the purpose statement for the Gospel of John, John 20, 31, of which everything is connected, including this prologue. I challenge us all to memorize it. Anybody read it this week and work on memorizing it? Well, you'll see it behind me, so why don't we continue our, our, our memorization work together, okay? <laughs> okay. Repeat after me. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Praise God, amen. So that's going to be the entire series comes back to that purpose statement. It anchors in that how, what is John 1, 2, 3, 4, all the way through chapter 21. How does it connect back to that? That's the purpose here. And we want to memorize that. We want to live that out. Now these are written, the gospel of John again is written by John, the beloved, the disciple. He's going to refer to another John in the text, John the Baptist. That's not the one who wrote the book. John the, John the disciple, the apostle, is one of Jesus' 12, his inner three, known as a beloved. He was a dear friend of Jesus who walked side by side with Jesus for how many years? Three years. Personally experiencing who Jesus was, learning and growing and, and pursuing and, and failing and falling short, receiving grace, continuing to strive further. He was an ordinary man who God called to an extraordinary calling. He was a fisherman, a blue collar guy. And God changed his life and he wants to change your life too. So John, through the entire book, is looking at each of us and saying, come and see Jesus, the one who changed my life. Because he wants to do that for you too. That same Jesus can change is changing and will change your life if you choose him. He's writing to a Jewish and Gentile audience in the surrounding in the Ephesus area where he had been pastoring. He's writing a couple decades, several decades after Jesus went to the cross and then was resurrected and then ascended. And so in this text today, in, these, in this opening prologue, we're gonna see three hope-giving realities that John is offering us today for our daily life. You're like, I need hope. Great, they're right here in the, in the Gospel of John, and John's gonna point us to these realities by pointing us to Jesus. Here is the revelation of Jesus, which is really the revelation of our hope. And so friends, if you're looking for hope this morning, look no further than this text, and look no further than Jesus, who is bigger and greater than anything you're walking through right now. He loves you, he sees you, he knows you, he's with you. So the first hope-giving reality of this text for our life, and not just for today sitting here in church, but for Monday when life gets hard at work, or Tuesday when we have a financial struggle, or Wednesday when the car breaks down, or whatever it is, these hope, this is as much hope then as it is right here, because this isn't just for information, it's for heart transformation. The first hope-giving reality is this. Jesus is the word that gives me life. He is the word that gives me life. Right here in the first five verses. Four, and again, we could do a deep, deep, deep dive on this, but we're going to take a much more higher view on this today. There's so much beauty and, and poetry and theology anchored in this text, and I want you to encourage you to pine it and pull it out and study it, apply it, learn it, because it'll change your life. Now, words are powerful, and words are important, right? 
The words that you say should be intentional. That's what we shouldn't be flippant. And the words that are in, in this text and the entire cover to cover of the Bible are inspired and inerrant. When, when in one, verse one, chapter one, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. John is saying that Jesus is God. He is powerfully declaring Jesus' divinity. He was in the beginning with God. All things that were made through him and without him, not one thing has been made, not one thing was made without him being involved in it. While other revelations, while other religions believe Jesus might be a great teacher, he might be a great prophet, and, but he's not God, John is stating incredibly clearly, explicitly, that Jesus Christ is God. Period, exclamation point. Yes, he's a teacher. Yes, he's a prophet. He's more than that. He's God. And that changes everything. In this text, we see him declaring the reality that Jesus is preexistent. In the beginning was the word. Jesus is outside of time. He hasn't been created. He always has been and he always wills be. Praise God for that. He was preexistent. He is coexistent. He was with God. It's echoing of the Trinity here. That Jesus is a, is a part of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in totality, completely, supremely, sovereignly. And it's also saying that Jesus is self-existent. The word was God. Jesus is distinctly God. He's distinctly God. Who God used and worked in a profound way. And the word word here literally means uttered voice. It's the embodiment of a concept. So just as the, the, the words that we speak are a physical representation and revelation of the thoughts in our minds, this text is teaching us that the arrival and the appearance of Jesus Christ is a physical revelation of the reality of who God is. He is manifesting the presence and the reality and the character and the love and the heart and the purpose of God the Father because he is God. And if the phrase in the beginning in verse one, chapter one sounds familiar, it's because it is. It, is it an intentional echo back to Genesis chapter one where Jesus Christ was the creator? It says it right here, verse three, all things, all things, including you and me, we were created through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus Christ is our creator. Praise God for that stating very clearly that God, that Jesus Christ is a creator of life physically, whose breath, whose words spoke life into existence. You'll see on the screen this Genesis 1, 1 through 4. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that light was good. Praise God, amen. So God the Father is working with and working through God the Son, Jesus Christ, to breathe life into creation. And God the Holy Spirit is hovering over the waters. In my ordination council several years ago, I was asked a question. One, one, one the first part, one's the first appearance of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. Two, where's the first re reference to the Trinity? Both are in Genesis 1 right here. It's amazing, it's mind-blowing, it's powerful. Ephesians chapter three says God the Father created the earth. John one says God the Son created the earth. The Holy Spirit's very obviously literally right here. 
The whole trinity of God is involved in the creation. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. The intertwining of light and life, bringing forth life out of darkness from Genesis 1 and John 1 are interwoven all throughout scripture, all throughout the gospel of John. It is an ongoing concept together. That out of the darkness, Jesus speaks and brings life. Praise God, amen? That it was for creation of physical life out of the darkness in Genesis 1, out of the the void. And for our spiritual lives, now Jesus speaks and brings life out of the darkness of the sin in our hearts. Praise God. So John 1, 1 through 5 is this reflection back on the breath and power of God, the word that brings life out of darkness, earthly life. And it's a look forward to the spiritual reality that the, the reality of, the, of Jesus who will bring life out of darkness spiritually for us to the cross. It's looking back to the creation. It's looking forward to the cross. In through it all, it's saying, I am hope because I am bringing life where there was previously no life. I'm projecting light and bringing it out of the darkness. And there is not a thing that the darkness can do about it. Praise God, right? Verse five, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. This is hope, is it not? That no matter what the darkness is in your life, and there might be a lot of it, that the light of Jesus Christ is unstoppable and insurmountable. He is supreme and he is sovereign. Praise God. Jesus offers physical life through creation and eternal life through his incarnation, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. Praise God for that. Now, my question for us this morning is who is your source of light? Where are you looking for your light in your life? There are a lot of options vying for it and whether it's you know, something to do vocationally or whether it's something to do you know, even just culturally or religion or where are you looking to follow? What is your guiding light in your life? Is it Jesus or is it something else? Darkness is everywhere, isn't it? Externally. Just open your doors, turn on social media, and you just see, turn on the news, right? Look what's going on in Baltimore or other places, right? Murders, corruption, sin, political scandals. On and on and on and on. Hurt. Let alone the darkness that is inside of us. Our sin, our pride, our shortcomings. Darkness is everywhere around us. And praise God that he is a hope that breaks through for us. I don't know what the darkness is that's surrounding you externally with your circumstances or your situations or the darkness that you're currently walking through inside, in your heart, the sin that you're struggling with, the bondage, the stronghold. I just know that hope is here because Jesus is here to break through for you. Because it's right here, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Who's the light? The, life is, the light is the life. Who's the life? The life is the word. The light is Jesus. There's no light outside of Jesus. Where are you looking? What's really, really cool here is you might, you might not know and understand the, my darkness. So that was great for John, but maybe not for me. But if you actually look at the verb tenses in verse five, it says the light shines, the word shines right there. When you look at the verb tense, it means it's, a, it's an active verb. It means it's currently ongoing. That the light didn't just shine, but guess what? It is currently shining. It is actively and ongoingly breaking through the darkness that this world tries to offer. And then when you continue on in this, it says the darkness has not overcome it. The verb tenses are such like this, that that has already happened, that there is nothing that darkness can do about it. Case closed, it cannot overcome the light of Christ. That the darkness and Satan will try and throw the kitchen sink, everything in the kitchen sink at you. But it cannot stop the light that is Jesus Christ. Because biblically, in reality speaking, right, darkness is by definition what? The absence of what? Light. 
Spiritually speaking thus, the darkness in your life is the absence of Jesus. It's the absence of the word of God. It's the absence of the, uh, the, perp- the priority and the exaltation of Jesus. Because this text says that every single time the light will break through your darkness. It doesn't mean your external circumstances will always change. It doesn't mean you're going to win the lottery. It doesn't mean you're always going to get you know, the 10.9 kids that you want or the six-figure salary you want or the dream girl or guy that you want. But it means that Jesus will always break through for you. He will always come through for you. So what light are you looking to today? Remember, John gets it. John is you and I. He's writing this gospel and saying, come and see the one who broke through for me. I can vouch for it from personal experience. That the revelation of Jesus should always lead to the exaltation of Jesus, which always will produce the breakthrough from Jesus. That's this text. The revelation of Jesus, the word of God, God made flesh, God come alive, not giving up any of his divinity, picking up his humanity, going to the cross for you and I, the revelation of God, the love of God, the care of God, the power of God that no darkness can overcome it, should leave us to the exaltation of Jesus, that he is higher, he is bigger, he is greater than whatever darkness it is you're fighting, because the light, the darkness can't stop it, which should lead us to experience breakthrough as we surrender to the supremacy of Jesus. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we have hope in a dark world? I would say two things. One, look to the light. Who's the light? Jesus. How do we look to the light? Well, John's going to lay it out through 21 chapters. He's going to say it's Jesus. Look at what Jesus said. Look to that. Look to his words. Look to his promises. Look to the light of who Jesus was. Look to his character. Look at it, it's gonna break through for you. He's the light, he's the word, he's the revelation. Look to what Jesus did. Up to, leading to, including the crucifixion, resurrection. Look to what he did. Look to how you're loved. The world might hate you, reject you. Jesus will love you. He will pursue you. Look to the light. That's how we have hope in a dark world. Look to the light. It's like you're in a dark forest and you see a little bit of light. You just keep stepping forward, one foot in front of the other. The light gets bigger and the darkness gets smaller. Look to the light. Where are you looking right now with your mind and your heart? Look to the light. The second aspect I had, I have hope in a dark world, is just shine your light. Shine the light. What does it mean to shine the light? Well, it says the light is already shining. Are you looking to it? Are you looking to reflect it? It means from an application point of view, surrender to the reality of Jesus' lordship and follow his leading. If he's the light, shouldn't we be following his leading? If he's the one that will illuminate our steps. And you're like, how do, I, how do I know what he's leading? Well, believe what he says. That's how we shine the light. Believe what he says in our heart. We're gonna see it in the next few verses. To all who did receive him, you have a choice this morning. Reject Jesus, literally the text says, or receive him. There's no in between. Not just for your salvation, but for your sanctification. Yeah, I came to know the Lord. I'm all about Jesus, but now life gets hard. Great. The question is, are you going to follow him or are you not? Are you going to turn to him or are you going to turn away? Every day of our lives, we have to choose. Are we going to believe what he says? Are we going to trust that he is who he says he is? And then are we going to live that out? Or when life gets hard, when life gets messy, we're going to cut and run. I've done both in my life. Can I tell you, it's a lot better when you follow Jesus. 
And you're like, well, how do I know what he says? Well, he's gone. He, he ascended. He's not here. Praise God that the word gave us his word. Amen. That we have something that's alive and it's active. The word of God. Jesus said, it's better that I go. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to be a tour guide, to lead you into the word. And I'm going to give you my words. This is a divinely inspired word of God that we should anchor our lives to. So if we're going to look to the light and if we're going to shine our light, we need to let the Bible be our light. We need to let it guide our steps, dictate our decisions. We can't let our emotions drive us. We must let God's word drive us. We must submit and surrender to the leading of God's word and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Shine your light by enjoying and resting in what Jesus offers. It's whole John 15 that's going to come up later. It's the abiding. I'm overwhelmed by the darkness. Cling, cling, cling to who Jesus is. Remain in, remain in his love, remain in his character. You got to fight to hold on sometimes because your flesh wants you to wander and to, to leave. Do what Jesus asks. Obey. Later in John, in the upper room, he's going to look at his disciples. He spent three years following him. Three years intimately living with Jesus. And he's going to say, if you love me, do what? Obey my commands. Shine your light. Look to me as your light. Let me be your light. Even in my absence, look to me. Even after three years of walking with me, they still had the choice. He still had to commend them. He still had to exhort them to follow him because it's not easy and it's not natural. So maybe you've been on the Lord for a minute or a while. If you love Jesus, are you demonstrating it through the application of obeying his commands? No, doing, again, flows out of being. Being comes before doing. But if you're remaining in Jesus, the evidence of that should be a desire and a delight to obeying Jesus. Shine your light and that will break through the darkness of your life. Finally, are you you going to follow Jesus' example? Are you going to trust him like he trusted God? God, I don't want it this way, but if there's any other way, take this cup from me. But not my will, but yours be done. Are you going to trust him when it gets hard? Are you going to trust him when there's persecution? Are you going to trust him when your friends betray you? Are you going to trust him when others leave? Are you going to trust him when it gets hard? Jesus did. Jesus did hard. Because Jesus looked to God. He let God be his shining light, his due north. Will you today? Are you today? What needs to change to you today? Can I tell you this? Darkness is optional. I love you enough to say this, and it's hope giving, but it's hard potentially. Darkness is optional. I'm not talking about the presence of darkness. The presence of darkness is inside us and all around us. I'm talking about the, the, the proclivity of darkness. I'm talking about the preeminence of darkness. It doesn't have to be the thing that drives you because Jesus is preeminent over darkness. Darkness is present, yes, but Jesus is greater than the darkness. The light shines in the darkness. So what will you let be preeminent? The light of Christ or the darkness of your heart or the world? You have to choose. You gotta make a choice. Where are you allowing the darkness to drive out the light? That is a choice, friends. It's a choice because this text, verse five, memorize it. Verse four, in him was life. The life was the light of men. The light of men means you and me. The light shines in the darkness actively. It is shining when you look to it. And the darkness has not, will not, will never overcome it unless you let it. Will you look to him right now?
Praise God for that, because there is hope in the name of Jesus. There is light in the name of Jesus. There is life in the name of Jesus. Jesus reveals the grace of God through which we have daily hope in God. The second revelation of Jesus, the second hope-giving reality of Jesus that this text offers us is that the light that offers me, Jesus is the light that offers me a forever family. So John continues to seem of life. It's running throughout this text. It's running throughout this gospel. He says Jesus is the one who gives you physical life in verses one through five and also projecting forward to spiritual life and eternal life daily. But then he literally continues on and, and talking about in verses six, seven, eight, nine, the reality that Jesus is the light. He talks about John the Baptist who came as a witness to share, to share and show others. We're going to talk more about that next week. So we're going to sort of go light on that right now. But it talks about that John came to be a witness and to push others to believe and to encourage them so that we might believe through John's witness about the testimony of who Jesus is. Verse nine, it says the true light that enlightens everyone was coming into the world. So a couple things here, there is a true light, which means that there is a false light, right? What light are you looking to? What light are you looking to to provide identity and belonging? So many of us turn to sinful ways of life because we are seeking identity and belonging and we find it in places other than Jesus. Now church, this is an exhortation and an an admonition for us to love like Jesus because sometimes churches or the body of Christ can do not a very good job of loving like Christ, unfortunately. Belonging to the body is not compromising beliefs or doctrines. It's loving like Christ. The true light which enlightens everyone. Good news, here's hope. The light of Jesus is enlightening you. It's, if you will open your eyes, you will see it around you. Not through natural revelation, yes, but also the revelation of Jesus Christ. He was coming into the world. And then it says in verse 10, he was in the world. The world was made through him, but the world did not know him. Now this know is a very important word. That's the word know is an intimate, personal relationship. It is not an intellectual word. It's not just like I know about Jesus. Guess what? Even the demons know about Jesus. It is a, I have chosen to connect with Jesus in a personal, life-changing, submissive, surrender, familial way. It is the same word used to describe how a husband and wife literally and physically come together. It is an intimate, heart-level, soul-level connection. Do you know Jesus? Because he's like, I created the world, and guess what? God has created you. You are created in the image of God. Praise God, amen. Jesus breathed life into your physical body, and he wants to breathe life into your spiritual reality as well today. But he came, verse 11 says he came to his own. It means he came to the Jews and his own people. They didn't even receive him. They didn't recognize him. They didn't choose to submit. They didn't choose to humble themselves before him. They rejected him, the text says. They didn't receive him. What are you doing to Jesus? Receiving him or rejecting him? Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, how do I receive? I believe. Receiving is demonstration through believing. Believing means to put my full weight, my full trust in that Jesus is Lord and Savior. I surrender to him as Lord. I submit to follow him the rest of my life. I submit my ways under the authority of God's word. To all who chose to receive him by believing in his name, he gave the right Praise God to become the children of God who were born not of blood nor of will or flesh, but of will of man, but of God. Jesus today is offering every one of us in this room a place in his family. Praise God for that. 
a place of ultimate belonging that no one and nothing can take away from you because when you choose to put your faith in the Lord as your Lord and Savior, you're signed and sealed by the Holy Spirit forever. You cannot lose that salvation. You are a member of a forever family through faith. Praise God for that. Have you chosen to receive Jesus? It's a choice. Some chose to receive him. Some chose to reject him. What's your choice? Now, it doesn't mean you're going to have an easy life. It doesn't mean you're going to have an amazing life in terms of what the world would deem as amazing. But it means that you're going to have eternal life and an abundant life. He gave you the right. So many of us, especially in the West here, are hung up on our rights. The only right that we have is to an eternal life separated from Jesus Christ and God in hell because of our sins. But praise God through the gift of his grace, Jesus' revelation of God's grace. This is God's grace right here in verse 12. Praise God. We are saved by grace. He is now giving us the right that we did not earn, that we don't deserve to become family reconciled and reestablished with our heavenly father only in and through Jesus Christ if you choose to believe. So many of us are hung up on, I'm owed this, I'm owed the American dream. 100 figure salary, by the time I'm 32.4 kids, a white picket fence, I'm owed my right to vote. I'm owed this, I'm owed a lack of persecution, I'm owed comfort, I'm, no you're not. We don't have a right to any of those things. Praise God for how he establishes governments and different things like that, that's not a different sermon for a different day, but what I'm telling you, spiritually what we, what we are, what we have a right to is separation from God because that's what we earn through our sin theologically. Praise God through his grace demonstrated right here by the arrival of Jesus Christ that he pays the price for our sin that we can't pay on our own. We choose to believe in that. Only by grace can you be saved, not by, your, not by any works. Through our faith, it's a gift of God so that none of us can boast. And it's available to all of us, but to all, to all who did receive him. You have a choice before you. You have an offer presented to you. You have an invitation given to you to come and see Jesus and to put your faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Will you do it? And you have to do it personally. It doesn't matter when you stand before God in all of eternity, whether you went to church all your life or not. That's what not knowing Christ is about. It doesn't matter whether your spouse or your kids or your parents are believers. It is a personal decision that you have to make yourself. And only you can make it. And I pray that you would, because tomorrow's not guaranteed for any of us. And if you have any questions about that, we would love to talk with you about that. Can I tell you, man, God worked even last week, and there was someone in our church service that chose to put their life and the faith in Christ for Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior this week. Praise God for that, amen? Our God, amen, praise God. He's saving, he is at work, he is moving. And that same offer of a forever family is available for you. God doesn't want you to just have life he wants you to have a family. It's grace upon grace. What does it mean to be children of God, to become part of the family of God? It's adoption. We'll see what, what Paul writes about adoption here in eight, Romans 8, 15 through 17. He says, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons to whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Isn't that amazing? that we get adopted into the forever family of God, that Jesus Christ actually becomes our big brother, that we get the full rights of salvation. We didn't earn them. We don't deserve them. 
And our path to becoming family with God is only through Jesus Christ. You want to know the why behind the what of the incarnation? Jesus became flesh so that we can become family. Praise God for that. Jesus became flesh. He took on a, a humanity. Humanity's fallen and broken, right? He took on, became 100% man. He did not give up any of his divinity, but he came to a messed up place, rejected by men, to live in our world because that was the only way that we could experience hope. He was rejected. This text literally says that the ones that he created rejected him, some of them anyway. And he loved him anyway. He pursued him anyway. He died for him anyway. And even if you have been rejecting Jesus all of your life, today's the day I pray that you would choose to put your faith in life in Jesus Christ. He's offering you the free gift of salvation that only comes through grace. My right to become family with God doesn't come through any blood lineage, but it comes through belief. My right to become family with God doesn't come through my works, but through Jesus' work. My right to become family with God doesn't come through my just desire, but through surrender. Oh, I want to have a relationship with the Lord, but I don't know about surrendering yet. It only comes through surrendering. It doesn't come through religion. It only comes through a relationship. Believing leads to belonging in a new family. We all want to belong. Every single one of us want to belong. And there's hope here that you can belong. I want you to, to look around the room right now. Because when you put your faith in the Lord and Savior, yes, Jesus becomes your father, but we become family. Literally. You have brothers and sisters that love you and will walk with you. Not, we're not perfectly, but we will pursue together. When it's hard and when it's a greater day, when it's rainy outside, when it's, when it's not, we will walk with you together for the glory of God. The, the biblical faith is not meant to live, be a life lived alone. It's individual decisions lived out in biblical community. I want to encourage you. We're starting new small groups that if you have not joined a small group yet to get in one, get in a biblical community, live life together, and not just be in one physically, but open up your hearts. Be real. Be authentic. The world is dar- a dark place, is it not? This text says that. We need the light of life that is Jesus Christ through his body. And we must choose We must choose to be adopted. Have you made that choice? We have friends that that have adopted international. Many, some of you guys have adopted internationally and local, but we have friends that were adopting from a certain country and they were going to adopt a certain child and that they had chosen that child. But in this country, that child had a, a teenager had a choice to, they had to choose back. And this child chose not to be adopted by this family. It's heartbreaking. God created you. Jesus is pursuing you. He died for you. He wants to live forever with you. The choice is before you. Will you accept it or will you reject it? Will you choose him back like he has chosen you to die for you and come for you? Where are you looking to for your hope? Looking to belonging in something else other than Christ? Or is your belonging, your identity anchored in Christ? And if it is, are you living that out on a daily basis? Is that your source of confidence? Is that your source of hope? Where's your anchor for belonging today? Jesus reveals the grace of God through which we have daily hope in God. Praise God that we have the hope that we can belong. We can have a family. No matter your personal, physical, earthly background of a family, Jesus is offering you an eternal family. The third hope-giving reality of this text at the revelation of Jesus is this, that Jesus is the revelation that gives me hope. He is the revelation He's a revelation of God. As you look at these last verses, 14 through 18, we see Jesus close out, uh, John close out the prologue in verse 18 by literally saying, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has what? 
made him known that Jesus has revealed who God is. We see also in this text the use of the word full in verse 14, and we see the use of the word fullness in verse 16. The word full and the word fullness come from the same root word, pleura, pleurma, meaning the complete totality of the fullness of God. Who God the Father is 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 perfectly embodied in Jesus Christ, God the Son. Everything you learned about God in the Old Testament is applicable and alive in Jesus Christ here. Because why? He is God. He is the full revelation of the grace of God, the truth of God, verse 14, the hope of God that we have in Jesus, verse 16, from his fullness we have all received. Praise God for that. That God chose to make himself real. That God chose to demonstrate and to peel back the curtain, literally. That God chose through Jesus that we can have personal relationship with him personally and intimately. Because when Jesus died, the curtain, the holy, holy's curtain was torn in two. And we can now personally go to God the Father without an intermediary. Praise God. Amen. Verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word is Jesus Christ. He's Jesus Christ. So my question for you today is this. We talked earlier that said this. Source of hope today is not a question of supply or demand. We are all demanding. We are all in need of hope. All of us. It's not a question of supply. Jesus is offering it to us freely. Praise God, it's a free gift. But it's not a free gift for Jesus. It cost him everything. It's a question of sourcing. Where are you sourcing your hope? Where are you looking to for your hope? And in this section, we have four sources of hope that Jesus reveals to us and gives us today for our daily lives. And will you choose to anchor in them as your living hope today? The first daily source of hope that the revelation of Jesus gives us in this text is this. My daily source of hope is the presence of God. Look at verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt far from us, no, what, is it your, what does your text say? Dwelt where? Among us. I love how Eugene Peterson in the message, he translates this in, it's a very, very modern translation. It's not the most theologically accurate, but it, it's really, it gives you some good word pictures from time to time. It says that the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Isn't that awesome? That Jesus is wanting to draw near to, even if you're running from him, Jesus is on, hot on your tails pursuing you this morning because he loves you. He wants to draw near to you. The presence of God, God himself, moved into the neighborhood. This is describing the incarnation, God becoming flesh. Jesus Christ, the son of God, doing that. And you can have hope in the presence of God this morning, amen? You can have hope in the presence of God. It continues, again, this is a very rich theological verse and passage. Verse 14, it dwelt among us. The word dwelt there, it literally is the word tabernacle. Direct reference, the original readers, back to the Old Testament tabernacle where they would go to meet with God in a holy, a holy setting. That this isn't just like, yeah, we're going to hang out for the barbecue once a month. No, this is a personal, as real as it gets, in in the presence of the creator God who spoke life into being, he wants to have a relationship with you. Isn't that awesome? He is powerful over darkness to that, but it cannot overcome his light. So if you Want hope this morning, man, if God is for me, who can be against me, amen? The creator is with me. The one that speaks life, the one that brings light is with me in my trials right here on Sunday in September of 2023. Praise God for that. He's gonna be with you tomorrow and the next day. He wants to dwell with you. That's hope giving. 
The world might reject you. Others might leave you. You might feel abandoned. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. That's hope giving, amen? Will we anchor in that today and then tomorrow? The second hope giving reality of this is the glory of God. It says it right here in verse 14. We have seen his glory. We look glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Again, it's the, the grace that is revealing the glory of God. The glory is a manifest reality of who God is. God on display. God's glory is a gift. And you know what the ho- is really hope giving about that? One, yes, the display of who God is. But two, in his sovereign supremacy, the reality that if our top priority in life is to give God glory and for God to give the glory, we will always see the victory because God will always be glorified. God's purposes will always be accomplished. God's purpose for his glory can be accomplished in our suffering. It is. God's purpose for his glory can be accomplished through our devastation, through our difficulties and our victories, our mountaintop experiences. To God be the glory. So if our hope is God, may you be glorified, we will never be disappointed. We will never be let down. So the question is, what is your top priority? What's your purpose? What are you living for? If it's for the glory of God, have hope because you will not be disappointed. God will be glorified, period, exclamation point. The darkness cannot overcome the light. But gut check time, where is your hope this morning? On your own glory or for God's glory? In all sincerity, if it's for your glory, you will be disappointed. God's purpose is not to glorify you, it's to glorify himself by any means necessary. Praise God for that, amen. Third, hope-giving reality, the source of hope, the promises of God, verse 17. For the, the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Basically, Jesus' arrival is his transition from the old covenant to the new covenant. Jesus says, I am the fulfillment of the old covenant. We have sin. And our sin requires a perfect sacrifice. Jesus and the, God in the Old Testament kept projecting forward to Jesus, the coming Messiah. And Jesus was like, I'm here. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This is a pointing to the new covenant that when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, we have a new relationship with God. It's grace-based. It's not earning. We can't earn our salvation. It's given as a free gift. Praise God for that. And it's a pointing to the nature of God. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God find their yes in him, in Jesus. That's why it's through him that we utter our amen to God for what his glory. Friends in this life, are you clinging to the promises of God? God is a promise keeper. He, keep, he does what he says, amen? So in your problems, in your darkness right now, will you cling to God's promises? Or are you, I'm just going on what I think or what I say or what the world says. The world is full of a lot of words. Are you looking to the word to anchor your life and find your hope of Jesus Christ and the gospel? Or are you looking to the words of the world or the words of your own mind? Who are you listening to? What promises are you anchoring in when life gets hard? God fulfills his promises. What are some of the promises? God is for you. Who can be against you? God will give you everything that you need. That's in Philippians. Not want, but need. You need to evaluate your needs. Your needs might be off but he will sustain you. He will be glorified. He will never leave you. He will always love you. 
Praise God for that. You can find, may you rest in those things today. And finally, my daily source of hope is the grace of God. It's all throughout this text. Verse 14, we've seen Jesus revealing the grace and truth of God. Verse 16, and from his fullness, from the full revelation of the character of God, Jesus demonstrates that he is the giver of God's grace. Not just the demonstrator, but look at this. Look at the word there. Wording's important. Verse 16, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Praise God for that. Amen. Grace is unmerited favor. It's things that we don't deserve. It's forgiveness when we didn't earn it or deserve it. It's acceptance when all we've done is reject God. He wants to accept us. It's unmerited favor, and he is giving it to us freely in an unending way as a demonstration of his unconditional love, that there is nothing that you can do that will ever, ever, ever make God stop loving you. Praise God for that. His forgiveness is unlimited. His grace is unending. His love is unconditional. Will you anchor your hope in him today? And you might be like, Pastor Dan, that's great. That's great Bible, Sunday school type of stuff, but you have no idea what I'm going through. Well, here's what Paul says for you this morning. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Paul says this. This is Jesus speaking to Paul who needed this word from God and maybe you need it today too. My grace is sufficient for you, period. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. I don't know what you're walking through today, but may that reality provide hope for you that when God looks at you, he knows your name, he knows your situations, he knows your bank account, he knows your relational status, and he looks at you right now no matter what you're going through and says, I'm sovereign over it and my grace is sufficient for you in it. My power is gonna be made complete through it. You can rest in that reality. You can find hope in that reality. You can trust in that reality because I am Jesus Christ. I am the creator, the sustainer, and the savior. I created you, I came for you, I died for you, and now I reign over you and I am fighting for you. Hope is here because Jesus is here. Let him be the life and, and the light in your darkness today, tomorrow, and every day. That's the projection for the gospel of John. So where in your life do you need to reorient and choose to fix your focus on the light that is Jesus? To look to the light, accept Jesus, believe in Jesus, walk in the light, walk in the word, and you will have hope each and every day because our hope is not contingent on our external circumstances. Our hope is contingent on our risen savior, Jesus Christ, the son of God. Praise God for that, amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for your grace and your goodness in our lives. We thank you that you have given us hope in the name of Jesus. You have given us life and light through the name of Jesus and that your grace, grace upon grace upon grace in every season and situation, it's enough. It's sufficient because Jesus is sufficient. Father, for those times and maybe we have right now wandered away from that truth, I pray that you would bring us back in this moment right now to reorienting our lives, resetting our hope on you reinstituting you as the source of our hope, the source of our identity, the light that breathes life, the light that shines 
in front of us for our next step. Father, help us to choose to receive you, to believe in you, and to follow you. Trusting and entrusting with you every step, every relationship, every aspect of our past, every aspect of our present, every aspect of our future. Thank you for the hope that we have in you, Jesus Christ. It's in your name we pray. Amen.